Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the WTF1 podcast. Now, there may be a trio of us here, but it's not the normal trio. We have replaced Matt with the 2009 Formula One world champion. Quite an upgrade, I would say. Uh, Jensen Button, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on. Um, what kind of things have you been up to recently? We saw you at Goodwood at the weekend. I, I don't know where I am. Yeah. I have no <laughs> idea where I am or what day of the week it is right now. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a whirlwind. It really is. Um, because I'm not here that often in, in the UK. So it's like cram everything in. Yeah, I bet. So, uh, yeah, it's really, it's been hectic. I've done four days of Goodwood. I was uh, at Wimbledon yesterday with Rolex, which is a lot of fun, I must admit. Um, and uh, and from now on, it's 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 all day and evenings as well. It's like booked. I'm booked out, busy, busy which man. which is good. I, I hate sitting around waiting for stuff. So being busy is uh, is key to success. <laughs> um, no, just it's key to not getting bored, really. So uh, right. yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm busy and uh, looking forward to a fun weekend. Yeah, so are you going to be doing some presenting with Sky Sports this weekend? or I am indeed, nice. uh, doing lots of presenting with Sky Sports. Uh, as always, British Grand Prix is, is the most hectic for us. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot of presenters here, so we're okay. Uh, and, uh, and I'm also doing stuff, uh, obviously, a little bit on the side with, uh, with Williams as well this weekend. Yeah, so. lovely. That's going to be awesome. We're going to try and visit the pop-up after this as well. So oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, they asked me to go. I was like, oh, I'd love to, but I'm a little busy. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> what does your Williams ambassador role sort of like? How does that work? So uh, it's in, I'm involved with their sponsors, um, doing all the events over the race weekend, um, and normally like going to the pop-up store and meeting fans, but it's, uh, it's a bit too busy. But uh, I spend a bit of time with the team, but as an ambassador now, change of title. Uh, I don't sit in on engineering meetings, for example. Um, I'm not able to do that, which is, which is a shame. But uh, Is it? Did you enjoy the engineering meetings? <laughs> or? I tell you what, it's got so serious Formula One. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, you crack it. You crack a joke, and it's even a good dad joke, and there's nothing. That's just, tragic. Nothing. That it's bad. flat. They're so focused on making the car quicker, which is important. But you need to have a laugh as well, don't yeah. you? Dad jokes clearly hey. make the car go quicker. I know. I know. I thought that as well. But uh, no, they're they're mass, especially with Williams. They're massively focused on on moving forward, which is great because I think you know there's a long way for them to still go um but they have all the backing and development and um funding to make it happen it's just a matter of time awesome well 2022 obviously you've got new regulations uh, what are your thoughts on these new regs for formula one uh, i like it i like that we keep having change i think it's it's really important it can it's not it doesn't get stale but when one team wins all the time it's great for that team and great for its <laughs> fans but at some point they need to throw, throw something in the mix to to bring other teams up to their pace and uh, you can't take anything away from Mercedes. They have been the best team for so long. Um, so it's kind of sad that they regulation change comes in. So it's, it's a level playing field again. But um, for them, but uh, for everyone yeah. else, it's great. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, it's just been a funny one this year because I don't think anyone ever thought we'd see the issues that we have with 
the cars in terms of the porpoising. Mm. Uh, obviously, to run the cars at their peak performance, you've got to run them as low as possible because the ground effects that you get from the car. Um, and uh, the problem in doing that is you, you can get porpoising when the car's too low and the ride's not good. So uh, you start lifting the car, you, you, you lose downforce and you take it out of its um, window, the aero window. Uh, and they still seem to be getting porpoising. So uh, yeah, hopefully for the British <laughs> Grand Prix, it's helped because the circuit's fast. They're good in fast corners, Mercedes. And uh, and it's also smooth. Yeah, they've got new tarmac, which I think they're happy about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Toto. I did an interview with Toto, actually, um, in uh, in Canada. And he said, we're actually thinking of just re-tarmacking all the circuits. And it might be actually cheaper for us than changing the car. Imagine. <laughs> The, such as the cost of F1. <laughs> exactly. Set up a tarmac we'll company. Re, and we'll re-tarmac it, it's fine, yeah. Imagine that would be a great tactic. Um, do you think it's too soon to make judgment on the new regs or do you think they've done what they were meant to do with the closer racing? Do you feel like that's worked? Yeah, they can definitely follow closer. It's still really difficult to overtake, um, but you're not seeing cars one and a half seconds apart for the whole race. You know, the cars are running a lot closer and it means that the car behind can push the car in front into a mistake. And there are, I think, more overtaking maneuvers. Um, it depends on tracks, obviously. You know, a few of the newer tracks are trickier, and that's why they have massive DRS zones like Miami. Um, but we're getting into the season now with some, with some proper old school racetracks, and I think we'll see some good overtaking. Um, Silverstone, it's not, not, not been the easiest place to overtake, but I do think it will be a a good racetrack with these cars. If you can follow closer through Beckett's, you have a chance down Hangar Straight um, to uh, jump down the inside. So I look forward to it. I'm really, really excited. I think the regulations are positive. The only negative, just because I'm going to sound like an old man <laughs> right now and say, oh, in my day. Um, but um, the only thing that I notice when I watch the car cars is that they do look heavier. You can definitely see that. And I saw that at the first race. It's like, oh, okay. You know, I've never seen a Formula One car roll, you know, um, before, um, have kind of body roll. But uh, it's, um, yeah, I mean, that's the only negative, but you get past that. It was like having the halo initially. It's like, oh, it's not, not very pretty, but it's, it does what it says on the tin, right? So we should have it. And everyone's forgotten about how it looks now. As long as the racing is good, that's all that matters. Everyone like V10s and V8s. Yeah, they sounded much better. But if the racing is good, who cares? And that's, that's what we want from F1. I'd always say that um, in the, I think it was like the 2012 era was such an amazing season. We had all those different winners and the whole uh, pre-season was all about how ugly the cars look step nose. And as soon as you got different winners, it was like... What, what season, not, yeah. yeah what forgets. season, no one cares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we did have V8, so still. So. <laughs> <laughs> is there any kind of rule that you'd like to see F1 change in the coming years or... Um, anything you'd like change to the cars? I mean, the only thing for me in terms of from a, a spectator point of view is, is weight. Um, mm. You know, when I raced in F1, the all those years ago, in the early days of my career, the cars were 600 kilos, including driver. Uh, and now they're 800 kilos. And it means that they have to have more power and they have to have more downforce, um, which also means they have a lot more tire wear. Uh, so it makes it um, a lot more difficult for the tyre manufacturer. So, um, yeah, they say that on most circuits, 10 kilos, this is when I was racing, it's probably kind of similar. Um, you've got to take in, into account that the cars are heavier, so it's a smaller percentage. But 10 kilos was about three and a half tenths a lap. 
So there's wow. a lot of 10 kilos <laughs> in some yeah. 100 kilos. <laughs> there's wow. 20, in fact. That's good yeah. um, size. So that's seven seconds. Wow. Seven but seconds of weight. they're still going quicker, aren't they? Though? But they're still going yeah. quicker in qualifying. But then the race, yeah, yeah. they can't because they just destroy the tyres because of the weight. So that's, that's, uh, that's one thing that does hurt when I watch it. But apart from that, I like the direction they've gone. It's aggressive. Uh, Ross knows what he's doing. Ross Braun. He's won a bit in the past, hasn't just he? A yeah, just he's a done bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I like the ideas, um, and um, you know, obviously it has to be heavier to be hybrid as well. So that's that's one yeah. thing that hurts it, but it's 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 working. You know, the the fuel efficiency is uh, is great. I don't know if one car is better than anything, considering it's at full throttle for seventy percent of most of the race. It's an interesting dynamic that Ross. Obviously, when you were working with him, it was all about building the best car, and you wanted to, you know completely dominate yeah. beat everyone chuck a load of dirty air out the back make sure no one can overtake you and now he's built these rules to essentially do totally the opposite yeah and also you're always looking for the gray areas and uh, <laughs> they did that really well um with many parts of the car but um yeah now he's trying to stop people from going into the gray areas and adding bits to the car <laughs> that they shouldn't be and so uh yeah it's a definitely different for him but he's seen it all before which is great so he knows what's coming. He he yeah. understands pretty much where everyone's going to try and um, try and achieve with the car. Do you like that as a driver? Um, that not not that they're banning innovation, but obviously like it's they're trying to make the cars as closer as possible. I guess it depends if you've got a good car or a bad car, right? Yeah, I think. Um, but but the difference is with regulation changes. There's always a lot to achieve during the first season, so you'll see big updates coming. Which is what we all love. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that Williams has a has a reasonable update coming over the next couple of races. So it makes a big difference. If you can bring, you know, half a second or a second, it's a massive chunk of lap time because the cars are quite a lot closer. And you are gonna see that, I think. You know, I think before we saw it trickling in um previous years of, of aerodynamic parts coming to the car. Um, but it feels like it's more back in the old days of a massive update kit coming to the car every sort of four or five races um and i think a lot of them are going to be around this time i think ferrari's got a big update for this race so we'll see how it goes yeah well, we're approaching silverstone round 10 of the championship seems like it's already flown by so quickly so we wanted to talk through some like key moments from the season so far starting off with do you have a favorite race so far this season oh favorite race I think Saudi Arabia, and it's because I commentated, so it was yeah. like the best comment, commentary of the season ever so heard. far, ever, ever. Um, Crofty was in there though, but yeah. uh, um, I actually like, I did like Saudi, uh, but yeah. it's very different when you're commentating because you see it from a different angle and there was so much excitement, um, especially in qualifying. Um, and uh, and I, enjoyed the, I enjoyed the fight between Charles and uh, Max um, and the mind games that they were playing with each other. To, to, to overtake each other with the DRS zone and what have you. Um, and I must say that moment in time, Charles seemed the, the calmer character, um, just reading the situation very, very well with Max. So that was good. And I really loved the fight between um, Fernando and Esteban, <laughs> teammates, yeah. letting them race. So yeah, I mean, that's probably a big surprise for a lot of people for me to mention that race, but uh, I, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, you mentioned Great. as well mind games. When you were in F1, were you known for playing mind games with your teammates or were you 
fairly, you know, like laid back and I mean, you were like Fernando, he seems like the ultimate mind game master, so. <laughs> well, we were teammates as well, so that was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot that went on that season, but uh, <laughs> it was it was good fun. Yeah. And it was finally good to see Fernando at work. Um, How his brain works. Exactly. <laughs> no, it was it was it was really enjoyable those those two years, even though the car was not good. No. Uh, but it was the same for both of us. So it means you're fighting against the best guy in the world in a in a bad car. So at least you can you can judge yourself against him. For me, it was just being myself around mm. the team, you know, spending time with the mechanics, spending time with the engineers, um, and not just in a race scenario, you know, yeah. a, a, not just at work, away from work, you know, take them for dinner or whatever and hang out. Um, you know, we're all in it together, we're all working as a team. And I think some drivers that weren't, weren't that way, yeah. it, it definitely affected them quite a bit because it, it felt like it was I was making it my team. Yeah. But I wasn't doing it maliciously. I no, just was doing it because it yeah. it just felt right at that moment in time. Yeah, that's very nice. <laughs> How have you found the Max and Charles battle this year? It's been, from a personal point of view, it's been great Formula One to see them because they were always they're always there like t- together. But you obviously had Mercedes at the top, and people thought these two are kind of future rivals. Have you enjoyed sort of like commentating and watching them? Yeah, yeah, other? definitely, and. Um, as I said, it felt like Charles had a, the upper hand at the start of the year, even though he wasn't. Well, he did. It was it was sort of half and half with uh, who came out on top, but um, he seemed very calm and collected at the start of the year. And Max was uh, was being quite aggressive, and but they kind of know each other. They know each other so well from the karting days, and mm. nothing changes. You still <laughs> you still drive in the same way, and you see the footage of them both as kids arguing about. An incident, <laughs> uh, and it's no different. But um, they definitely understand each other's driving styles, which I think is important. You know, I think when it was Lewis and Max, I think it shocked Lewis, and understandably, how aggressive Max could be, um, and he would also make moves that w- you didn't expect. You think, oh, he's gonna he's gonna wait for the DRS zone to overtake me, but then he'd throw it up the inside before that, and I think it 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 shocked Lewis, and and I and I get why it was a surprise. Yeah. And he had to change his way of driving and become more aggressive, which was impressive as well. Um, but uh, for for Charles and, and Max, yeah, they've they've spent a lot of time together through the years and a really good understanding of what the other guy's going to do. And you can see that on track, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Do you feel Do you feel like Max races Charles differently to Lewis? Because it's certainly I don't know if it's just the fact that maybe he picked up more penalty points at the end of the season. He's tre- treading a bit more carefully, or um, but it certainly feels like last year Max would throw at the inside at every opportunity to try and maybe, whether it's getting in Lewis's head or just um, yeah. you know as a way to beat him, um, whereas we haven't maybe seen that with Charles so much. No, I think Charles just moves out of the way. He, he knows, <laughs> he's like, he knows, he can kind of sense that he's close enough that Max is, is going to try something and he, he's like, right, he's going to do it. I'm just going to move <laughs> right, line up the car for the exit and get a good exit. But... Um, He's made some massive lunges in his in the last few years, Max, and impressive that most of them have come off. You know, his, his awareness um, of his surroundings is very impressive, but I don't think any other driver <clears throat> really has quite that awareness, and I think that makes it tricky to race Max. You know, he made some moves when I was racing <clears throat> into turn one um, in races, and I was like, oh, he's going to touch the guy, and he, and he just didn't because his awareness of his surroundings and car control are are so good that um, he never gets into that accident. 
But um, if if the situation is in someone else's hands, it, it that's when it gets a bit tight, I think, um, and they don't expect him to be put in the car where where he is. So um, yeah, <clears throat> he's a difficult guy to race, and uh, and I do I do I definitely did feel for Lewis last year in in many situations, and he learned a lot, which is great. You know, he's seven time world champion, he's still learning. Um, and uh, he adapted his driving style really well, I think, to, to what Max was, was throwing at him. Yeah, we've seen a lot of reliability issues as well so far this season for Red Bull and Ferrari. Have you been shocked to see so many engine issues, for example, for Ferrari? Or you think it's kind of expected with these new regs? No, I'm really surprised. Mm, yeah. You know, I think um, um, teams are normally pretty good at um, realizing what's going to happen and uh, stopping the car. Mm. Um, <clears throat> or, or changing the engine before the, the race weekend. Uh, that's normally what Mercedes and Red Bull were doing last year. So they didn't have failures. They might have to start at the back, but then yeah. they've got the chance of still scoring good points. So it's surprising that it's happening during races, the issues, mm -hmm. yes, with, with Ferrari. Um, you know, they started the year with such a good car. They still have a good car, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough for them. It must be hurting knowing they've got such a good car this year. This is the best opportunity to win yeah. for... For a few years, um, and um, with the issues they've got, it's making it very difficult for themselves. I think that you'll see with Red Bull, they'll still have they'll still have engine changes. I won't say failures, but I think they'll run more than the allocated um, amount of engines, and they'll take a penalty. So I don't think Ferrari have to worry about that so much because everyone will take more than the allowed engines because they're pushing them so hard. Mm. Long season. Um, I think for Ferrari, the bigger deal is is not making mistakes um, with strategy like they had in Monaco. Yeah. So I think that's the sort of thing that's going to cost them. Very much so. Who's, who's been your, I say, driver of the season, or, <clears> or <throat> maybe we extend that to drivers, who's like stood out for you this season that's impressed you most? Uh, I, I said last weekend that if, I, if you painted all the cars the same colour and all the crash helmets, there's one driver that I would always be able to find out of 20 and it's Fernando you know I think <laughs> he's got a very different driving style to anyone he's quite aggressive and the way that he catches slides on exits it's he's immediately reacting to it and he's the oldest dude on the grid so his reactions are still there his love for the sport is still there and um, what he's been able to do a few times this year has been amazing you know putting on the, on the front row in Canada and qualifying is just nuts it really is. It's a good car, but you just got to look at where his, his teammate ended up. It wasn't the race for him, but sometimes that's the way when you start right at the front with a car that doesn't deserve to be there. Um, you try a strategy like everyone else around you, and it didn't work out for him. He obviously had his issues with the engine as well. But um, I think he's had some really impressive performances. Uh, I think Kevin jumping in the car at the first race. Oh. Magnussen and doing what he did was was exceptional, really was, um, and it just shows you with with the sport. If your head's not in the right place, you don't really do as well as you should. And if you come in all excited and the adrenaline's pumping, you can perform. And you know, Kevin, this year's a very different Kevin that left in in twenty twenty. So uh, it's good to see. We'll see how it goes if the car tails <laughs> off towards the end of the season, whether his hunger is still there. But uh, I think he's done a great job. Um, I think. George's consistency has been great this year. Um, still think he made a mistake in qualifying. I know that everyone mm. said, oh, it's a, it was a worthwhile risk to put slicks on. It's like, well, he's going to put it on pole position, but he's not going to finish first because he's not quick enough. The car's not quick enough. So he's probably going to end up fourth or fifth anyway. So um, I just thought it was, it was uh, too much of a risk. And when you're in that position with a teammate, you know, where he's been beating him consistently, 
you can't give him an inch and you can't give Lewis an inch because he'll jump on it and did a great qualifying run. You see his confidence after qualifying. And, you know, you're working together with your teammate, but you still need to, you need to have a little bit on them because you're in the same car. It's the first person you have to, have to be. And you saw Lewis, Lewis's confidence after qualifying and his race pace was outstanding, Lewis, and uh, much quicker than George. So it's a, immediately a change of dynamic coming into the British Grand Prix, um, which puts George on the back foot and, uh, and uh, Lewis with a lot of confidence. So I look forward to seeing how <laughs> that works out this weekend. I think that is going to be a really exciting duo to watch with a really good car, I think, around this, this type of track. I've made a podcast prediction that they're going to maybe have a bit of a fallout at some point when they're mm -hmm. together on track. Maybe not quite a fallout, but um, I think, you know, when they're trying to occupy the same bit of racetrack mm. and they're trying to do what's best for the team, you know, you saw like Alpine, like you mentioned before, in yeah. Saudi Arabia, sometimes it's difficult to not think about yourself and think about what's best for the team because you're a racing driver, right? And yeah. You want to do what? I mean, if you're thinking what's, what's best for the team, you're a number two driver immediately. So, <laughs> you know, you've got to be out there for yourself. And, um, you know, the end result, obviously, you want the team to do well, but you always want to be the lead driver. Um, I was very lucky in my career that I never, I never had team orders. The only time I ever had team orders was in Turkey, but I had them after Lewis got the team orders. So Lewis was leading the race in 2010, I think it was. Or oh, when the Red Bulls took it to the yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, because Lewis hadn't saved any fuel and we had to save fuel in the race. So Lewis was told, oh, you don't need to, <clears throat> you don't need to worry about Jensen. He's, he's not going to push you. He's not going to fight for position. <laughs> and uh, Lewis was like, great. But I was never told anything. Okay. Um, and I don't think the message got to my engineer because I had enough fuel to push the whole way. So I overtook him and then it all hit the wall and it was like, oh, wow, it was a, it, it was a bit of a mess. Um, and then we obviously fought for a few corners and Lewis was back in front and then the team came, Jensen, you need to save fuel. I'm like, no, I don't. I've got enough fuel. I said, Jensen, save fuel. <laughs> no fighting. I was like, oh, what? Just because he didn't save fuel, I have to sit behind him now. So there was a bit, that was the only time it was frustrating. But apart from that, um, I've never been in a situation where we've had team orders, which is, which is great. And I think that's, what it should be like between teammates. You're still there fighting for yourself and fighting to win. Has there been a driver so far this season that you don't think is getting enough recognition for what they're doing? Or is that going to be like another Fernando? Like, because <laughs> he's just on it. I mean, I loved when you spoke to him when he was on the front row uh, in Canada and you're like, oh, you must be so buzzed this exciting. He's like, no, I'm more, I was more excited when I was doing Le Mans. <laughs> like, that was just such a Fernando answer. But Well, also to get a driver excited on the grid before a race is always tricky because their know, head's already it. in the race. Um, so that was a pretty excited racing driver before a Grand Prix, I would really? say. Really? Um, <laughs> so uh, Valtteri, I think, has done a good job. Um, it's always tricky to tell because he's come from having an amazing teammate to having a teammate that's new to the sport. Um, but I think his consistency was was very good, <clears throat> especially in qualifying uh, up until up until Canada. Um, I think you know, obviously Max and um, Charles have you've been fighting it out at the front, which has been great to to see, and they've kind of left their teammates behind them for for quite a few races up until sort of Monaco time. So it's great to see um, Carlos and, and Checo back in the mix. Whether they'll stay there, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, it's nice when we have four drivers fighting for race wins. It's not just the two of them mm. because quite a few times it has been just the two of them this year. 
but uh, I look forward to this race and hopefully we'll have six guys. <clears throat> six guys fighting for the, for the race win at Silverstone. That's a dream. Um, also, so let's talk about the F1 calendar because we seem to be getting new races added all the time or contract extensions. Um, there's talk about potentially some big races maybe going missing off the calendar, such as Spa. Mm -hmm. Do you think F1 need to do more to ensure that those kind of historic races are just permanently on the calendar? Or do you think that maybe we could have a little allocation with um, Spa and say another track, I don't know, France or something? Not really comparable, but you know. <laughs> Uh, I, if Spa, Spa isn't there, I'd be very upset. Yeah. Um, Monaco is a, is a tricky one because there's lots going on behind the scenes, I think. Um, but Spa, yeah, if you take away Spa, it's for other reasons, not not because it's not a good circuit. You know, it's the it's one of the best in the world. The racing's amazing. Drivers love it. Yeah. Teams love it. Love going there. Um, you know, I think we have to be a little bit careful. To uh, you know, we know it that Formula One is entertainment. And I think a certain TV show has made it very famous in America, which is great. It's really good for the sport, uh, putting on a lot of people's radar in, in the States. But um, we need to make sure that we keep the racing exciting and go to circuits that give us great racing. You know, because you're going to see happy drivers and that's key. You're going to get a lot more out of them if they're in a good place. Mm -hmm. Rather than just thinking, oh, why are we at this track? It's yeah, not fun. I can't overtake. Yeah. Um, it's too narrow or whatever. So... You know, I think I like the mix of circuits, having some street circuits um, and obviously the original old school tracks, but we can't be going to all city centres um, and just going there because of the location. I think yeah. it needs to be, um, it needs to be because of the track itself um, and the country it's in as well, because that's how you get the fan base there at the track. Um, but obviously there's a, a lot more people that watch on TV than actually watch it there. So having a fun track to watch on TV and lots of fighting and racing is, is really important. How have you found the growth of F1 in the US recently? Because it has just exploded. Because I remember when, you know, like <clears throat> early days when we were watching Formula One, it was always shrugged off as like, oh, Americans don't get F1. And now it's just enormous. And to see like the crowds at Circuit the Americas and stuff is crazy. Yeah, it's, I, it's really good. You know, I... Um, I've lived in America for six years, so I've seen it change. And, you know, I've heard people talk about Formula One in, in restaurants and supermarkets. And it's uh, it's surprising and it's kind of weird. Do you want to just, yeah. like, chip in? Like, be like, well, Definitely actually. not. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, I live in America and I love being there because it's, it's so relaxed. And I don't, I can relax. I can walk anywhere. I can do anything with my family. And it's... Um, it's very chilled because they don't really, they didn't really know so much about Formula One. Um, but now, yeah, there's there's a lot more interest in the sport. But I mean, there's still a lot of room to improve. You know, we we had good viewing figures in in Miami, but still, there's a long way to go. You know, they still have other motorsport that probably is is still has more views. For example, NASCAR and uh, and obviously Indy certain races, Indy 500. So there's still room for growth in the states and. Um, We've definitely broken into the States, I would say, having three races there next year. But uh, there's, uh, there's still more we can do, I think. And um, making sure that the racing is still exciting because the behind-the-scenes stuff is great. But there's no point having that if they don't enjoy watching the races because we've chosen circuits that don't work for the sport. So we do have to be very careful. It has to be a good balance, I think. 
You mentioned as well in a previous answer about this TV show that's come along to F1, Drive to Survive, I assume that's what you're referencing. <clears throat> if you were um, in F1 when Drive to Survive was there, would you embrace it a bit like Danny Rick has done? Or would you kind of maybe take a step back and be happy just to feature like Max then and again? Does, yeah, doesn't want to be involved, yes. does he? Doesn't want to be involved. What would you go for? It, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, Daniel obviously looks at it as a... Um, it's helping his profile, yeah. so it's helping his like income. Talk shows all the time now when he goes to the states. It's helping his it. profile, it's helping his income, um, <laughs> and his future possibly after Formula One. So, uh, if you don't mind being in the limelight and not being able to go anywhere, yeah. go that way. Um, I I personally would struggle with it because <laughs> I like my family time, and um, you know I, I love you know going to events which are fun and there are cameras there and whatever, but. I also like my time with my kids yeah. and being away from all of that. Yeah. Um, and I think if you if you embrace the that show, I think you're you're definitely not going to have that time away from the cameras. And you can't then you also can't say, "Hang on a second, why are you following me here? Mm. Give me some privacy." You you can't do that anymore. You've given you've given that up yeah. really because you're using it to your benefit. Um, so it's it's a tricky one. I also get Max's point of view mm. um, and. Uh, not wanting to be involved. I mean, what else does he need? He's got, he's got the, one of the best drivers in F1. Um, he's, he's, he's happy with where he is in life. Um, he kind of doesn't need the show so much. But I also, yeah, but I, I also get it from the other side. And I think the first season was interesting because drivers, it was like when I was racing, you know, you, you don't really want to do too many interviews. You want to focus on, for you, what is the most important part of the job. Um, but the racing, to be fair, isn't really the part of the job you get paid for. You get paid for all the other stuff because that's the work. Yeah. Um, but most of the drivers like, oh, okay, I'll do it, but don't want to. And then they saw how well it did the first mm. season. They're like, oh, it's hang on a second. <laughs> My social media follower has gone through the roof. And, you know, what does this mean? You know, I'm going to be able to do this and this and this. And um, so, yeah, it, there was definitely a change in the second season. And I would, I would, I would embrace it to a, to a certain point, yes. Yeah. Well, we've got some fan questions as well to sort of round this off because, as you will expect, you have a lot of fans that want to know a lot of things. So, um, Michael Grimwood says, other than F1, what is the most enjoyable discipline you have <coughs> raced in? Because you've done um, some bits with British GT, um, with the World Fastest Gamer uh, situation there. You've done some sim racing and obviously... You've now got an Extreme E team, although you did some races in it. Was it one race or two races? I did or? one race. Yeah. I'm like, never <laughs> doing that again. <laughs> scared me way too much. Did it? Was it really scary? It was just very different. Um, yeah. But I've, I've also raced, obviously raced karts for so many years. Mm. I love karting and I think if you can afford to go karting for fun, you should because it's just the best. It's so pure, um, so simple. And, uh, and I, I raced actually uh, a couple of months ago. Did a kart race really in California, uh, and I raced in seniors, so I, I'm really old, so I should be in masters because it's over <laughs> thirty as masters. But I raced in seniors, and I didn't realize that seniors was you could get into seniors at fifteen. What? So I'm racing fifteen-year-old kids. Oh my god! And they know it was you. And yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, because I've tested there quite a bit, and <laughs> I didn't realize um, you know they're testing every week these yeah. kids. Um, obviously, they're at a point where they think that you know. They could still race in IndyCar or F1 or whatever. That's their dream. So they're, you know, they're pushing hard. And I got into this race, and it wasn't a massive race. There was sort of 20, 25 carts. 
uh, and um, I was amazed at, at the, the talent at the small race. Um, and I finished fourth in the end, um, which I was pretty happy with. And, uh, and I, hadn't, I didn't quite lead the race at all. I was in second place at one point. But you see the pictures of me, you know, I'm six foot tall and then there's 15-year-old kids who are tiny. And I was just like, I don't want to, you know, if I hit him when he goes yeah. into the tire barriers, I've, I've basically hit a minor. <laughs> so it was kind of weird. across the papers. But um, I, I loved the experience. It was very cool. Very physical as well, but uh, really cool. So karting's great. Um, I loved Super GT, mm. so much fun, um, very different to what I was used to. I came from Formula 1 to Super GT. You know, in, in the F1 paddock, you've got motorhome, you've got physio, you know, everything's taken care of. <laughs> you get to Japan and you've got nowhere to sit. And no one's speaking English in the debriefs or the briefings. So I'm like, well, this is great. How am I supposed to help set up the car? But you, you don't set up the car. You just throw different tires at it and choose which ones are quicker. Uh, but um, it was a life-changing experience. But uh, we got to win the championship the first year, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing, the one thing I'm really excited about is rallycross, and that's what mm. I'm doing this year and next year. Um, one because my dad used to race in rallycross, which is cool. He raced a Beetle and a Golf. Um, I'm racing in Nitro rallycross, um, which is a thousand horsepower electric vehicle wow. with 12 inches of suspension travel, which is massive. So it's Travis Pastrana's baby, the category. Oh, yeah. Um, massive jumps, gap jumps. It's a motocross track, but for rallycross cars, which awesome. I have no experience of at all. So, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to be, but uh, looking forward to the challenge. Yeah, very much so. I've got a question here from Charlotte underscore TF1 it says, who do you think will be the next new F1 world champion? That's not won it before. What? <laughs> I'm just trying to think where they're going to be, what drivers and what teams they're going to be in mm, over the next few years. Yeah. Who hasn't won it yet? Well, we think we were all thinking possibly Charles, but uh, it's going to be a tricky one, I think, at the moment with how quick Red Bull are. But um, I think he's probably the most likely. Um, I, you know, I think Lando is a big talent. Uh, obviously, George is. The problem for George is he's got Lewis's teammate, so... <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of like when we were teammates, one of us probably could have won the championship in, in the three years we were together. But we kept taking points off of each other and wins off of each other. So it, it hurt us as a team. Um, and it'll be the same thing for George and Lewis. They're going to keep taking wins off each other when the car's competitive. So it makes it a lot trickier to win a championship. Uh, I think Charles is the next one. I think Lando... You know, I, he, he's, he's got a long-term contract, which surprised me a little bit that he went for that. Um, obviously, it's a big paycheck um, <laughs> because to have a long contract with anyone is mm. it's, it's a risky thing because that could be your whole career yeah. with one team that possibly could never win a race. So that surprised me. And, um, you know, everyone says, oh, he's a... You know, well, if you're not a team player, if you don't want to do long-term contracts, no, I am going to think of myself first. I have to be selfish. Um, so I, I hope he gets the opportunity because he is a mega talent and deserves to be fighting for wins and, and championships. Got a question here from the same old blues. And as soon as I saw this, I knew we had to ask this. Um, you were asked, telling a story about how Kimmy was sat in your living room at a race. Like you were talking about it last year, but I think you got cut off. Are you able to? I thought you got cut off for a reason. Did you? <laughs> for someone going. <laughs> exactly. Nope. Can you elaborate to that story or is that? And that was it. We went well, how out. did he get there? 
how did you I know where you were? I don't were? know. I mean, to be fair, I probably wasn't really with it either. No. So, <laughs> um, I remember he was in there with a, uh, with a mutual friend sat in my, it was actually sat in my kitchen. Um, I was like, this is so random. Yeah. I mean, you, it's, it's one of those things when you see someone somewhere that you don't expect them to be. Right? If you went to Italy and you saw your best mate or something there, initially it's like, I can't quite compute what's going on right now. And that was the same thing. It's like, well, I don't understand why you're in my in my kitchen <laughs> drinking my drinks. Um, but yeah, that was it really. And then he, and he kind of got up and left. Was it like in your house? Did yeah. you like have a house key or something? Or? Well, someone must have, but I don't know who. You got it under a plant pot or something. <laughs> probably was, door. probably yeah. was. Wow. That's yeah. insane. That's so that funny. That is very bizarre. Um, got one from um, Max2223. Um, and it's, you say you like cake. If you had to choose your <laughs> ideal birthday cake, what would it be? Uh, it would be Red Velvet. Oh, that's a good challenge. I love Red Velvet. There's a place in, um, in uh, LA called Susie's Cakes. Um, they don't sponsor me, by the way. <laughs> just Not what you like, I'm just you? plugging them because they're really good. Um, but um, Susie's Cakes is great. They're always really fresh, and we always get our birthday cakes from, from there. So, yeah, Susie's Cakes all the way. Shout out to Susie's Cakes. Yeah. Um, well, I think we'll probably end it there. Thank you so much, Jensen, for your time and being so open and honest with your questions. We look forward to seeing you on Sky Sports. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, if you've submitted questions and stick, stuck around. Um, we will yeah, Cheers. see you in another podcast soon. Cheers. I'll drink Cheers. my non-existent tea. <laughs>